When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera. Hello and welcome to You Are Going to Be Fantastic. I'm Ann Foster. And I'm Jenny Ryan. And we're so good at doing that now. Yay! <laughs> so we have a, a very exciting guest coming in. I mean, all of our guests are exciting, but this is our first, like, let me send your publicist a list of our questions yeah. first. Mm-hmm. Official interview. Yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to do banter first? And Let's then do some banter guess? and keep them on the hook. Okay, so, you know... We'll tell you at the end of the banter who the guest is. So um, my, it is right now it's Folk Fest in Saskatoon uh, with the town where we live, which is um, uh, different uh, sort of community groups or cultural groups put together sort of pavilions. And so you travel around the city and you go to these pavilions. And so you go to the Scottish pavilion and you watch dancing and singing and you watch, go to the Caribbean and you watch some dancing. It's and all singing. about the food. All about the food. And then there's food at all the things. So last night I took my little boy who's three, um, his daycare leader, daycare leader, his daycare um, teacher was uh, dancing and uh, her kids were all dancing at the Ukrainian pavilion last night. So I took Eric and normally this child does not, I mean, he's not a night owl, but he goes to bed like, you know, before nine. Yeah. And so we were out last night and suddenly it was nine o'clock and we were still there and we had only visited one pavilion because he was obsessed with the Ukrainians. And so I said, well, let's, before we leave, let's pop into one more before we go home. So we picked Scotland, and so we went into Scotland. And and but if something happens at Folkfest, like I don't usually go to Folkfest at night, but something happens at like nine o'clock where it's like the wolves come out and everybody gets. Whoa! Oh, there's there's also every country has their own kind of alcohol. Yeah, and suddenly it turned into this debauched like anyway. And poor Eric was like, "What's happening, mommy? Why is it terrifying? All these people are suddenly like extra loud and extra." rangy and it was like the crowds were that much thicker that's what happens when you stay up after nine i brought a toddler to a nightclub and it was very it was i felt like really not a good parent there were other children there but i felt personally like i had failed well it's it's funny because folk fest does have that time where it just suddenly it's like family fun times wholesome and then suddenly it's like yeah they just they flip a switch and suddenly it's just a it's just a booze cruise and there you are yeah but you're it's also like it's during the daytime, like today, we're recording this on a Saturday. Yes. And like on the Saturday day, I would presume that's when there's a lot more Yeah, but it doesn't start until three. Oh, okay. So it's not like you can get all the wholesomeness out of the way before before afternoon. So, and the drinking, st- I mean, people start. People are drinking. Well, the other thing with Folkfest is there's like a bus. Yes. Because these pavilions, like they're throughout the city. So like there's a route where the bus will drop you off at this one. You can go there, then get on the bus and it takes you to the next one. Well, So people can be drinking and just like take the bus around well, the city. Well, and my plan was to take them on the bus around the city today but then I someone was like don't take them on the bus after nine <laughs> because it will be terrifying right but no I think you'll be done after nine yeah, I don't know even unless he wants to party hard I mean I don't know we're gonna it's see to what, we'll see what kind of kid this it's is child-led parenting child-led parenting <laughs> he might want to party he might want to rage and if he does you have to honor that yeah he might want to get out there and yeah I'll need to honor it as as the facilitator to his life there's been okay speaking of different um cultural groups okay um, I I think that we both want to acknowledge that up to this point, mm. almost everyone we've interviewed for this podcast has been somehow involved in library work. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, we've interviewed basically all these people who either work at the library or have some sort of relationship to the library or used to work at the library. And Anne and I do have a wider social circle. But it's, yeah, so we've been trying to be more mindful of that and yeah. find some more non-library people. But yeah. it's like a lot of the friends in our social circle are at the library and they're the ones who are like, interview me. Or there are people who are like, I have a friend. And then we interview them, and then we find out they used to work at the library. Like, yeah. we're not even doing it on purpose. It's just happening. Well, it's possible that maybe everyone in the world, this show could be, like, seven... Seven degrees of library? Yeah, and yeah. maybe, like, everyone is involved in libraries, and we're just only unearthing that. We're figuring it out. That's the magic of this podcast. But today we are talking to somebody who is involved in the library only insofar as... I presume, and we can ask him, put him on the spot, he has a library card. And, I believe and borrows he brings things. his children to the library. Okay. I believe so. Okay, do you want to reveal our, our exciting guest? Yeah, today Anne and I are interviewing um, uh, a guy named Charlie Clark. He is uh, currently running for the mayor of the city of Saskatoon. He's been a longtime uh, city councillor. Um, but he's a youthful politician. He's like 40. Four. Right. Like when you say longtime city councilor running for mayor, I want to clarify he's not 70 years old. No, he like has he was like a city councilor as a youngin. Yeah. And um, he's also the first person I ever saw to ride a bike with really fat winter tires. Oh, yeah. So people who don't <laughs> live in Saskatoon, like the snow falls here in like November and it just stays until April. But there's a very dedicated cycling community yeah, here. He is a member of that community. I and believe. the way that I think you and we could ask him about that, too. The way that you, I am not part of that community. I park away my bike. And no, I, think I just you do see too. him doing it while I'm, while I'm driving. I watch the people on their giant so tires. You get, yeah, so you get these bikes with these like very, very wide, big tires. And I think it gives you traction on ice. And it makes you so you don't sink through the snow. Yeah. So they're like snowshoes for bikes. Yeah. Yeah, which is sort of crucial in Saskatoon. So he's running for mayor. and yep. But you know him... You knew him socially before. Well, like enough so that I'd see him be like, hey, how are you? And yeah, like he, you knew who each other are. Yes, we and we were sat on a board together, so yeah. Yeah, so it's it'll be very interesting to talk to him. I mean, we're going to learn. I don't know anything about him. I've never met him before. Okay. So so it's, it's really exciting. So I guess I guess we should we should let Charlie in and, and, and get, ask him get some to stuff. It. All right. Okay, so Jenny and I are here. With Charlie Clark, who is running for mayor of Saskatoon. Welcome, Charlie. I know. Well, thank you very much. Hi. It's great to be here. I just wanted to break the ice with the first question that, that came to mind, which is, is your full name Charles? The name on my birth certificate is Charlie. Really? really? Yeah. I was named after my mother's tummy because I have a twin sister and we were born in New Zealand and... Uh, for some reason, at that time in New Zealand, things there were jokes made about um, Charlie was sort of a, a sort of a joke about something, and the the nurses in the hospital called my mom my mom's stomach. It's just a regular Charlie because it was so big, because <laughs> she had two of us in there, even though she didn't know that, uh, and um, so they named me Charlie. So oh, your wow. your sister is not Charlie. No, she's Joanna. Okay. Yeah, but uh, she was a surprise. They they didn't know until oh, oh, uh, after wow. I came out. <laughs> there was another one. In yeah, there? the doctor said, "Oh, he's got a mite." <laughs> and there was, uh, and there was my sister Joanna. So uh, although my mom had suspicions that that, uh, was that there was another one, because wow. she was very wow. Mean. Well, that is a very good answer. Because I was curious. Because I was thinking, you know, 
a lot of people, you know, you go by a, a nickname when you're younger, and then when you become something like a politician, it's like, well, now I'm going to be Charles. Yeah. But Charlie, like, that's, yeah. you don't have another that's option. Like legitimately your name. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've always liked the name, yeah. and uh, I'd I recommend it, actually. It's actually listed as one of the top three names that the people who have it like the most. You know, really? they've done surveys on that. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know why, but. Yeah, not yeah. a lot of serial killers out there named Charlie. Are there? Well, Charlie <laughs> Manson. Manson. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, he, I think he went by Charles. Yeah. <laughs> I can. I, I like to think of like Charlie Chaplin more. You know, yeah. some of those yeah. characters. Yeah. Okay, so you are you are now um, an individual in your forties. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. So at some point you were younger. Uh, so cast your mind back to when you were seventeen, eighteen. Mm-hmm. Finishing high school, cusp mm-hmm. of grown upness. What What did you think? you'd be doing like what was your plan well um it i wasn't one of those people that had a really really clear i plan of i know i'm going to be this you know okay. uh, at that age in life i was searching I, I would say i was um ready to go out there and explore the world uh, as a as a graduate from high school uh, my parents divorced when i was eight and um when so when i was 17 my we were living in penticton british columbia and my mother uh was in a new relationship and so she moved to Kelowna, and so our uh sort of home was sort of um uh, uprooted and so that kind of created an opportunity for me to 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 sort of shift where i was and and kind of go explore and i would say in terms of what i thought i might do I was a kid in high school who always kind of got along with all the different groups, like okay. the, the sports people and then the, the uh, car people, you know, who loved to have uh, nice cars that they worked on and looked after. And, and even some of our, you know, the, the sort of granola group in the, in the school that were sort of trying out different things. And um, I guess, and so another thing that I know that ended up being part of my path is I, I, I liked to, to bridge between and meet different people. And when I was 16, my parents um, were very, and I, I hope it's okay to talk about like more personal things, but they, their, their relationship was really rocky mm-hmm. and they had been divorced for eight years, but it was getting uglier and uglier. And um, we uh, ended up in a situation where, where they were about to go to court to, to try and deal with the situation. And they had a chance to go to a mediation, mm-hmm. and they uh, took uh, went into a twelve hour mediated session oh, to try wow. and figure out a better way to to what was you know creating this tension. And it was you know who's got custody of the kids because we I have the younger siblings and and uh, you know all those kinds of things. And they came out of the mediation much much better, and you know in a, in a much better uh, like trusting of each other and mm. and uh i actually remember that that there was a dance going on in the community at that that night and the next i knew they were going into the mediation and the next thing i saw they were actually dancing on the uh, in this dance together and i thought wow what is this like yeah. how did that happen yeah so um i knew that that was something that i 
wanted to be part of is you know is trying to help uh, deal with conflicts that way oh, as opposed wow. to court. So so yeah. I did know in the back of my mind I was interested in potentially getting involved in mediation, which I did do and train in for several years and, and got involved in. Um, also on the advice of my mom's parents, Fred and Percy Ritchie, who um, were big mentors of mine and, and kind of encouraged me in that direction. So I guess those two things, like that experience with my parents and um, my, my uh, experience of, of being fascinated by and enjoying people of all different sort of uh, walks in the high school. And Did you ever do student government? Not really. We didn't have much in our high school and when it comes to um, student uh, politics. But I had, a, I had a teacher named Dave Snyder, an English teacher, Mr. Schneider, who I really attribute to getting me interested in political issues. He, he was quite outspoken and, and uh, he always um, got us to, to sort of think critically about the world and, and uh, even back then about uh, the environment, about... Um, uh, poverty about about and to write papers and things about those kinds of things and uh, I remember that class very well for for getting me thinking about things and um, and so I think that helped to spur me on but there wasn't much student politics at the time mm-hmm. so you were finished high school you knew at some point in your life you might want to do something with mediation did you go to like was there a school for this like did you did you know if this was something that people could train for or did you did you do that right away because you did train for it at some point did you do that like after high school or did you do something else there wasn't really um a clear path it was a very burgeoning kind of area and so i figured that uh, it was kind of in the back of my mind um the fellow who did the uh, mediation with our excuse me with um with my parents uh is a was also somebody that we knew and so um i ended up getting to know him and sort of he mentored me along a little bit but initially i went to college for a year in Kelowna, um and uh and then i went traveling to india thailand malaysia and australia and new zealand for how long for six months um Um, hitchhiking around New Zealand. Wow. And then, Did you have citizenship because you were born there? I could have, yeah, but I didn't. Okay. A Canadian passport. I was back then spending 90 bucks to get a citizenship for New Zealand when you already had a Canadian passport. Right. It just was uh, money that I wanted to use for other things on the trip. Right, so, yeah. Um, I ended up not needing to do that, but, uh, but that's why I went to New Zealand. I hitchhiked uh-huh. around the North Island and the South Island and just kind of revisited those routes because I had never been back. Um, yeah, so I went on that trip, which was really a formative time, um, and, uh, on my own and, and, um, learned a lot about myself and the world and, and just, you know, had my eyes, my sort of mind blown by being in different cultural environments and, and all of those kinds of things. And, um, so came back from that. I'm I'm not sure if I want to go through all the different steps, but... (laughs) It wasn't until a few years later that I, I started taking uh, courses at a place called the Justice Institute of British Columbia, which had mediation and conflict resolution training, and then starting to do a bit of um, sort of my friend Gord Sloan, who was the mediator I was talking to earlier, um, mentor, you know, taking me under his wing a little bit, and, and uh, I was able to f- tag along with him into the work he was doing and get into it. That's 
that's it's interesting right because if that hadn't happened who knows like if you hadn't I, I like to think about what like the catalyst or whatever like what's and you have this clear memory of it helping your parents mm-hmm. but if that hadn't happened like who knows what you'd be doing you might still be you might be like backpacking still i might because <laughs> the reason i moved to winnipeg which is where i met sarah who's the reason i'm in saskatoon Sarah is your Sarah Bueller, yeah, my wife, my better half, my okay. wife, okay. my spouse, my partner. You know all those things. Um, I moved to to Winnipeg in 1997, so I graduated in '91. So after six years of doing a ver- variety of other things, where they had a conflict resolution studies degree program at the University of Winnipeg, mm. so I was I decided to pursue that more. Uh, well, I found out about the program and met her, and. And then she's from here, and and we moved here three years later, no, five years later, because um, we I came I fell in love with Saskatoon through her, mm-hmm. and we settled down here. So the timeline I'm just gonna piece together. You know, forty two. Yeah. You have been a city councilor for ten years. Yes. So how long were you in Saskatoon before you ran for to four be a city years? Counselor? Okay. Yeah, which when you talk about. <laughs> Would you ever imagine how your life would turn out? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like uh, sometimes I, I, uh, I still wonder at, at the way life turns out because uh, it was uh, a pretty quick turnaround. But I don't know if you'll remember back in 2006, the whole feeling in this city was that all the young people were leaving. I had just moved here. I moved here in 2006. And I remember everyone was like, why did you, everyone was, why, what are you doing here? Why are you here? I think the year I moved here, something like, I don't know, nine new people moved to that studio or something. It was some low number of people and all these, everyone's like, well, you're just going to leave. Like, you're going to get your experience at the library and then you're just going to leave. Everybody leaves. It was this very bitter, like, yeah, no one thought young people wanted to be here. And I was like, but I picked it. I, I moved here. It seems great. I don't know why you think I'm going to leave. But yeah, it was definitely a different feeling for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So being a, uh, committed to Saskatoon, we, we moved here to raise our family and, and uh, chose it very clearly over Vancouver, which is where my family was because her family was here. Um, and then at that time, there was a feeling like there was a desire for some new people on council. And uh, um, it, it was a council that was seemed I think the feeling in the community there was Owen Fortosky on one side and then 10 people on the other and every vote was kind of like that and there wasn't as much balance uh, or or different perspectives coming forward so I was working in the community actually at Saskatoon Community Mediation Services and uh, and and also with a few different organizations and I guess people saw something in me because they encouraged me to think about running and I thought that's a crazy idea, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> I haven't been here that long, and, and uh, I... And you were uh, only, what, like 30, 32? 32. 32, yeah. I was younger, and... and uh, but I I saw we were also divided as a city in a lot of ways that that uh, didn't bode well for the community, and, and, uh, and I saw there were a lot of issues that were we were struggling with, like the Stonechild Inquiry and, and, like, the Gather Coal debate and the... Um, debate about building an overpass to the Walmart and using library taxes to pay for it uh, back then and and um, uh, I did feel like I had something to say about those things you know and and that I wanted to make sure that uh, there was politics in the city that that uh, focused on 
on not not fueling divides, but on on having you know good strong conversations about uh, what we can do together and 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 how how do we bring the community together? That more. just sounds like your mediation work, but like writ large, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's been an interesting journey. So you had small children when you made this decision to run for the One. council. One. Yeah, Simon, who was 18 months old. And you were like, ah, 18 months. That's, I can run. Like, okay, this is my question. When you, 14, yeah. when you run for city council or you are on city council, you also still have to have a job, right? Like it's, it's and you have a little baby. How did mm-hmm. your wife feel about all of this, sir? Well... Yeah, I mean, it was a big decision, but when you run, it, I mean, I realized he, he was 14 months old because when you make the decision to run, it's May, it was May, April or May of that year. Um, you don't know if you're going to get in, and, and it's just something to try, right? And right. Some, and I had done a teaching certificate, um, and I was actually looking at going to become a high school teacher. Oh. Um, and, like uh, Mr. Snyder. 15 years of working in in uh, nonprofit and and consulting and doing a variety of things I realized that uh, working with young people was what I really got the most energy out of and where I saw the most hope for for the community and uh, so I I actually had my degree Sarah had done her mat leave she was ready to go back to work and I needed to do some more upgrading of courses in order to become a teacher so my plan was to do some upgrading to look after Simon a bit, you know, and and uh, she was really ready to 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 get back into her work as a lawyer, and um, so I had a bit of time to play with, mm-hmm. um, and um, it was a lot of juggling for sure, but uh, ended up just sort of launching into a campaign that uh, was quite all-consuming and. Um, was amazed at how many people came forward to get involved and help out. And, and um, so I was doing a little bit of work on the side, but I was able to kind of adapt that. And um, as I said, you, you, once you make a decision to do something like that, you think, oh, yeah, this, you know, we can just do this. We'll run. I can run for a campaign. It's a city council position. But um, boy, it's now been 10 years of, yeah. of the biggest sort of um, adventure of my life in a lot of ways. So how many, in the 10 years, how many um, elections was that? Is that three? Or? Yeah, this is, I've been elected three times, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, you have children. Three now. Three. Yeah. So we added two. One per election. Course, pretty much. <laughs> Um, so when you were younger, did you envision being, because it's interesting when Anne and I talk to people, no one ever says, I wanted to be married with children. Um, when you Mm. were younger, like, did you think I want to be like a family man or is this, did this happen? Well, I, I think in the back of my mind, being a father was, would have been something that I, I would have felt was, was was something I wanted to to be part of my life I would say I would have been one of those people that would have thought it would be really cool at some point you know to to be a dad I remember thinking back when I was a you know in my 20s and stuff about going into the future and having moments where you're sort of standing there with your kids and they're holding your hand and they're looking up at you and asking those kind of crazy questions and thinking you know, I'd, I'd like to, you know, about what is, where is the end of the sky, you know, or where do those stars come from or those kinds of things. And, mm-hmm. and uh, looking forward to, to that moment, although in my 20s, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ready to do that yet. It was, wasn't until you know, 
in my 30s that that was where we were at but um so yeah i would say i don't i don't know if i had a image of the picket fence and you know all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but but being in that role was something i definitely imagined and the three are the oldest one would now be he's 10 10 no he's 11 (laughs) he's 11 sorry simon yeah 11 and the smallest eight-year-old benjamin and rachel is uh five and so to them their whole life you've been a politician yeah pretty much yeah so i think that would be at some point i want to interview like the kids of the people we talk to because i want to do like a kid show and be like so your dad made this decision before you even existed to be a politician and how like i don't know i feel like kids don't have any autonomy over their lives really they have no choice we do Mm -hmm. like i have a little boy and i think about this all the time like i his entire life is in my hands and it's sort of uh yeah the things that i do affect him like i do a bunch of stuff out like i have a lot of Mm -hmm. things that i do outside i work full-time plus i do a lot of other things and uh he once got me to draw a picture of him draw a picture for him and he's like i want you to draw a bunch of ladies and i want them to be going to a meeting like this is (laughs) things i go to meetings ladies going to meetings and so your kids must be like daddy you know daddy helps shape the city yeah they have sort of vague ideas about what i do and and uh um, I think it's still unclear sometimes. Meetings are what they talk about a lot. We used to play a game called City Council when I was a <laughs> kid. And, and in the game, because it happened once where we were at a ceremony of some sort in the city council chambers, and yeah. Simon was two and a half yeah. or three, and uh, he was quite restless and disruptive. And, yeah. and, uh, and so I was sort of trying to figure out how to you know, be keep the focus on the on the presentation and but I had to kind of get up and have him leave and everything and so I played a game once where he had his stuffed animals and I I (laughs) pretended like one of them was the mayor giving a speech and then the stuffed animal (laughs) kept interrupting and it was one of his favorite games for a long time city council (laughs) had to play the game where there's interruptions in the city council meeting and so I I think it was good actually as a way of, of helping to kind of process that real life dynamic because they've had to put up with a lot of events and meetings and us shushing them and you know coming out to things and and actually as they've gotten older i think they've become less inclined to want to want to come along for the ride to some of those things which is fine it's their choice when you made the decision to run for mayor did you consult with your children like because simon's now 11 like he you know rachel may be too little to really get her opinion but did you actually take their thoughts and feelings like did you say i want to do this what do you guys think or did you just do it i mean absolutely as a family that was one of the primary considerations for this this decision because it's a much higher level of um challenge for a family to to have to go for mayor actually from a council point of view it's been it's been a pretty good way to have to go through the first 10 years of simon's life and the other kids because i've able to have some balance um and be around at times in the day and other things um i would say with mayor um i don't know if they really know what it's getting into if they so it was really more sarah and i were talking about it um but they've gone back and forth actually whether they think it's good or bad i think they like that there might be a bit of notoriety that goes along with it and you know and they kind of can't quite get their heads around it but it sort of maybe would be fun to be able to get tickets to sports games (laughs) yeah you know things like that 
Um, but they also have expressed their concern that they won't see me very often. You yeah. Because that has come up. Um, so I think there's some nervous tension in the house about what, what it'll mean. Uh, but for us, for Sarah and I, we definitely, our, our goal is to, to keep some balance. And for me, you know, you think about how to raise kids and how to have an impact on them. And I think sometimes it is good for them to see that part of being a human being is to serve your community. And it, maybe it does mean I'm not going to be as hands-on with them all the, all the time, but, but it's because I'm, I'm trying to, trying to do something good for the community as well, you know, in the, right. in the role and, and, uh, that that's hopefully, uh, a lesson they learn. And we're really lucky because we have her parents, uh, around and we have other supports that can sort of do the village to raise the kids, um, to help with that. And, and it's my intention to, you know, absolutely still be part of their lives. So. My question is, so you were on, you've been on city council for 10 years. You're now running for mayor. So what was the, I mean, I'm sure there was a long thought process before deciding to run, but what was, what, what's the main reason that you want to run for mayor, that you are running for mayor? Well, uh, one of the reasons we moved to Saskatoon uh, is because it's, it's this great small city that has a balance between... Um, uh, a sense of community and and you know it's not so big that there's traffic jams everywhere and people are spread out um, but it's big enough that it has a lot of uh, the amenities of a city and I think that's what a lot of people say they love about it and in terms of being part of the community it feels like you can you can if you get involved you can be part of shaping the community yeah and so that was one of the reasons I ran for council is that uh, um, the opportunity was there we have a chance to shape the future. This is a city that has something special that we want to nurture and build on. After 10 years of being on council, I've become sort of, I've realized the limits of what you can do as a councillor. And in my view, the, the role of the mayor is to really be a, put a vision forward for where we want the city to go and uh, help to bring the city together to, to uh, achieve that vision together. And I don't see our mayor doing that. Um, I don't. I don't. I see him being a great booster of the city. I see, you know, that he really is committed to getting out to events and going and doing a lot of things. But there's a lot of things that we need to get right over the next little while. That uh, and especially in terms of nurturing that sense that we uh, have something special in the sense of community, as we become much more diverse and as we become much more uh, spread out. We've, if we're going to keep this city strong, we, we've got to bring people together and, and, and also grow differently. And I've learned so much as a counselor that I felt that uh, it's time to step up. You know, I knew I was going to be done after 10 years. That's long enough for me to be a counselor. So it was either take the next step and apply what I've learned at the mayor's chair or go and do something entirely different. And Somebody said to me, you know, there's lots of people that could go back and get involved in the education system and work with people. There's not many people that could run for mayor right now and potentially, you know, help shape the city. And I was, you know, one of them because of my experience. So I decided, even though it's intimidating and daunting to do this, that um, it's worth it because I see the potential that lies here. And, uh, and I want us to see Saskatoon be a city that... that that leads in a lot of these areas that 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 nurtures what makes us special already but also 
overcome some of the divides that we have in the, in the city as well. So we almost ask people what they're going to do next or like their vision for the future. And for you, that's hard because you it's sort of dependent on whether you're elected or not. Yeah. So like if you're elected, then you have it's like choose your own adventure. Like if you know, if you are elected, this will be the path. If you are not, this will be the path. So don't think about the next like four years. Think about like 20 years from now, like. Like, don't worry about what's going to happen in the next. But like, if, you know, when you've politics aside, let's say, are you on a boat somewhere sailing the world? Are you backpacking around the tundra? Are you a grandpa? What's no, I guess you want to be a grandpa in 20 years. Uh, I guess you could be. Um, What do you want to be doing? Well, what's it? Or I'd love to be a grandpa for sure. But uh, that's. That's not in my hands. Ways off. I just felt like 20 years was, was um, pressure on Simon. That's, yeah, that's yeah. right. You yeah. know, Simon, uh, take your time. I don't see myself as the type of person that would like get an RV and just drive around and kind of live uh, that sort of independent life. I, I, I've realized that I get my pleasure comes from being part of a community and right. and uh, and uh, and seeing and being part of the the growth and change of a community. So um, that sailing or you know that kind of free yeah is feels like too much of a of a solo pursuit for me um i i so i see myself um i think in one way or another whether it's through uh, a role in in a nonprofit, through a business venture through something uh, else being part of of, uh, of saskatoon in in that time and and uh, hopefully in a thoughtful way you know helping to to be part of the ongoing change and and adjustments i mean i i really value the relationships i have with people and i really see that the city has a a lot of um uh people who are passionate and committed about it succeeding and so i haven't thought about what i would be in 20 years because i could see it taking a few different paths yeah there's like you know there's being involved in the university there's being involved in the private sector there's being involved in the nonprofit sector, and and I think it would depend a little bit on on where the opportunities are to continue to so affect the you know change and and work with people I love working with. I, I just that's one of the things that stands out to me is is as it's as important to me to work with good people as it is what exactly the role is mm. on a team on a project and a team where you feel like you can do something together. And uh, I could see that happening in a variety of sectors. I'm quite flexible that way. I've changed my careers a lot over the years. Okay. I was kind of hoping you were going to say I've always wanted to be like a rodeo clown. Yeah. Or I I'm going to finally pursue my dream is to be a hypnotist. But that's, but, well, that's sort of our, our, our other question. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you were a little kid, like when you were five years old, do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were? Well, can rodeo I go back clown? to that question? Yeah. yeah. The rodeo clown. <laughs> my rodeo clown answer would actually be. There is this part of me that would like to, to to spend more time just having time to think, you know. Sometimes I'm actually jealous of, of like, monks and things like that. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do it, but I would like to have more time sometimes to, to be able to to just go away and, and allow, you know. I really have admired people like Thomas Merton, and I've, I've actually read of different people who are um who are sort of spiritual thinkers you know uh, over the years um and i did wonder at different times when i was young whether that would be like a minister or a or you know um a, a monk <laughs> even um although i you know i definitely didn't take that path but 
that's one thing I will look forward to when I'm old. It wouldn't be to be in a rodeo clown. <laughs> it would actually be almost on the opposite end of the scale to, right. to just be able to, to hopefully be a thoughtful and wise person, you know, that can help bring some sanity to, to things, yeah. Huh. So a wise old but, man on a porch dispensing advice to well, <laughs> so you can like go off and be by yourself when you need to, but you're also in the community, so you have yeah, to have both. You need to, yeah, and there are lots of good examples of that. I don't believe in the person that's disengaged because I don't know what value that brings. I think it's you have to be um, a part of both. But uh, even our bishop Bolin, you know, who and I'm not Catholic, but um, I really admired Donald Bolin, and I sometimes was in some awe of him because he. He had this uh, reflection, and he's just moved on now to Regina, but reflective way of being in the world, bringing sort of a, a very thoughtful and considered approach to things, um, but also having that time to, to, to go away and think. And I don't have any time to go away and think right now, and that's probably why. That's the biggest thing I miss in my life. You seem very calm, though. <laughs> Well, that's good. Um, thank you. Okay, so, <laughs> so five-year-old five five, Charlie. Yeah. When did you move to? When did you leave leave New Zealand? I was only two. Oh, okay. I went. Yeah, I moved around though quite a bit. I so when I was five, I moved to Salt Spring Island. Oh wow! My, dad, my dad's a doctor, and he started up a medical practice there. And so I was just that was my fifth place to live. I think. So the fact that you picked Saskatoon, I think, is very significant. Because you've lived so many places, and yet this is the place you mm-hmm. you feel like at home. Yes. I think that says a lot. I'd like to think so, because I do know what all these other cities are like, and I do know their strengths and weaknesses and communities, and um, Saskatoon does have something very special here. You I know? believe it shines. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, five-year-old living in Salt Spring Island. What, yeah. was, the, what was the dream? Well, I was a proud owner of now, I don't know if it was right when I was five, but the entire uh, OPG hockey card set uh, from yes. the second year of uh, Wayne Gretzky's uh, career. Spent a lot of time watching. Even though on Salt Spring Island there was no hockey rink, um, I was a big fan of uh, of the Edmonton Oilers, and, and um, we used to spend a lot of time collecting hockey cards and thinking about that. But I was also into G.I. Joe, and uh, so I, 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 I don't know if I like I didn't firefighter or you know some of those classic things never really so really like a hero sort of thing. I guess so. Yeah, I, I really looked up to some of these different people that everybody was talking about and and some of those kinds of things. Um, so I hadn't. Yeah, that's it's not actually hundred percent clear what at that time though I thought I would end up doing. We, had, we were really lucky. We got to spend a lot of time in the forest and exploring around and taking sticks and slashing stinging nettles and, you know, uh, and climbing trees. And I loved, I loved that. I loved having the freedom to, to just explore and try things and take some risks, you know. And, and, um, but uh, in terms of what exactly my, who I thought I was going to become, um, I think it was still in formation. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. That's and I think, well, even you said, like, when you graduated from high school, you sort of went and you traveled. Like, yeah. so it's sort of a path that sort of found you rather that's than right. you seeking out a specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I would recommend as a way to let your life unfold because I don't think that it does. 
work to force it or get too too caught in it being one way or, or another because yeah. um i've always gotten the most pleasure out of being open to the next moment and then seeing how to embrace it you know and and be and and not not try and hold on to oh it's supposed to be this way you know and then because then when it doesn't turn out that can be a big disappointment even on trips <laughs> my wife sarah and i have attention often because i just want to like take the next side road and see where it's going to go and, yeah. and then that's where the best discoveries happen as opposed to knowing you know a week ahead exactly which hotel yeah, you're going to yeah. be at and which stop you're going to make and you know um so we always have to juggle those two <laughs> to try to competing ideas but yeah but mine i would yeah i would happily just keep forging ahead and i'm sure i wouldn't be here if if i hadn't taken that approach to life so far and well wow. feels the same way with this campaign you know i'm i uh, i have a lot of ideas about what i think can happen but in the next if i win those four years are going to lead to a lot of unexpected area mm -hmm. you know issues and right. challenges and you have to just be ready and calm enough to take on each one and 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 bring your best uh, approach grounded approach to to tackling it yeah in terms of your campaign um so where can people read up on on you and where are you on online well we have a website uh not Charles, Charlie. <laughs> and uh, we have a lot of stuff going up on Facebook under the Charlie Clark from Air Facebook page. And you've got a Snapchat. And we got a Snapchat. He Snapchatted us earlier. He did. <laughs> and uh, I'm proud to say we have our most recent endorsement as of yesterday from Sailor Dan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw that. Which was a really neat moment for me, actually. He just dropped into the office that we have down on third avenue and and 25th street across from the parktown funeral chapel if anybody wants to come by um and he just showed up on thursday and and uh said hello and said he wanted to help me out and to support me and wear my button and uh it was out of the blue it was really cool so um yeah we're really forming a great team and and my goal what i say to everybody is we want to run the campaign the same way we would run the city so that in the process, people from all parts of the city get to meet each other, get to work together on something, share their ideas, feel that they're part of of uh, of um, a project, you know, uh, to um, get have a successful election, but but where people's ideas are are fed into and part of the building of it, and that's what a great opportunity that a civic election has, because everybody knows their city, and uh, and it, it's and this is the venue, the vehicle that, that people can, can be part of it. And so I'm hoping to make the best of that in this process. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, this is super interesting. Great. Thank you. And you didn't mention the library once. Anne and I have this right. thing where you keep interviewing people and they're all somehow related to the library. Right. Or just like libraries. Libraries. Some, somehow they have something to do with libraries. And you, um, I believe, are a library user. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, we... We but pay you, a lot into the library for fines. Three, <laughs> three kids, like I'm sure you're. Yeah, yeah. But, Although uh, we're grateful that there aren't fines for children's materials. Yeah, that is We uh, always have a big bag or box of of library books that right. uh, we bring home. So we're, yeah, it's an incredible system that we have. Well, there, there we managed to get libraries into every there interview. Go. Good, good. good. <laughs> All right, <laughs> mission accomplished. Well, good idea for a show, you you two, and and uh, I think it's it's great to get people thinking about how their lives unfold yeah. so uh, mm -hmm. i appreciate the opportunity to come down here well thank you for being thanks so much
So thank you guys for listening to another episode of You Are Going to Be Fantastic. Um, we just wanted to let you know all the ways you can support our show. Through the social meds. Through the social meds, people. Um, so we are on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at YWGTBF, which are the first letters of You Are Going to Be Fantastic. Um, also, if you're, if you're a fan of Audible audiobooks, um, I feel like we're a real podcast because I'm allowed to talk about audible i know i know and i it's it's not like i don't use audible i do i am in fact a member of audible i got sucked in by another podcast advertisement for audible it works um so audible as you probably know if you've ever listened to a podcast is a place where you can um down you pay sort of like a monthly membership fee and then you get some audiobooks every month and you can sort of decide which membership you like um depending how many books you think you'll get even if you get the like basic membership it means when you buy an audiobook it costs a little bit less and the way you can do that and support our show is if you go to audibletrial.com slash you were going tbf you were going tbf yes so audibletrial.com slash you were going tbf um and then when you register there for your free trial um then that helps support jenny and me to do things like get a microphone yes. <laughs> get a second microphone um because you, you might notice that there's two of us talking right now and that's because thanks to the great generosity of cfcr the community radio station in saskatoon they are very kindly letting us use their studio sometimes yep so you can support cfcr as well um their website is cfcr.ca they have a lot of really interesting um tv shows or radio shows radio shows, <laughs> radio shows. Um, they have a lot of interesting radio shows and you can stream them anywhere just from the website as well. And then if you want to support CFCR, um, there's, there's links to do that on their website as well. Yeah. Was it, are there any other ways people can support you us? You can email us. You can email and us. And support us with praise. Yeah. Or if you want to email us your story about you being fantastic, you email, you are going to be fantastic at gmail.com. Oh, and then also if you listen to us on iTunes, um, it, it helps us in sort of nebulous ways that are no less real. If you um, subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us and review us, I know some people are shy and don't want to actually leave a review, but just rating us is helpful. Yeah. If you listen to us on Stitcher, make us a favorite. Apparently that helps too. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, if you click on the specific um, episode, you can leave a comment underneath the episode and that helps us there too. So wherever you're listening, there's a way that you can let every comment helps us just trust me it does it really does not just our self-esteem but with the you're going to be fantastic business incorporated yeah <laughs> basically jenny and i want to buy a microphone <laughs> and all of these things will help us one day achieve that dream yes <laughs> so thank you for listening thank you what will be will be